Let's uh, pray in preparation for the the preaching of the word. Heavenly Father, um, I pray that you would uh, fill us with joy this morning. Um, We're here to celebrate just one of the most important events in history, Lord. We're, we're, We're here to celebrate the the, the greatest gift you could give us, Lord, the, the um, greatest uh, blessing that you could bestow on us. And, and Lord, I pray that you would help us to um, focus on that, help us to be filled with joy, help us to, to um, sing praises to you, help us to, to uh, um, have confidence in, in the knowledge that Christ uh, is our Savior and that, that the grave is not the end for us. Help us to be your people in this place. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. So I, uh, I usually start with something lighthearted, and I am not going to do that this morning. Um, I, I really like um, Good Friday and Easter services, uh, um, but this early service specifically, because I can be a little heavier, and, and I, I, you know, the 11 a.m. service will be, be a little more kind of what, what we usually do, but, but this is such a huge set of days um, Good Friday and Easter, these are the, the, the big central focus points for the church and, and for the body of Christ and for all believers. And, and so as we dive into the text today, what we're looking at, um, I, I, I want to um, start with this. And it's not cheerful. Um, I, how many of you all read the news this morning? Am I the only one who is dumb enough to get up and read the news? Um, this, this morning, uh, actually... It wouldn't have been this morning. Uh, well, it would be this morning in Sri Lanka. Did you all read about this? Um, there were uh, uh, six churches that were bombed uh, by terrorists, and 130 believers were killed celebrating Easter service. Um, 400 people were injured beyond that. Um, and I, I remember reading that and thinking, man, this is just a rotten way to start Easter morning. Like, like these are people, like if we understand the scriptures to be true, these are people who are are brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Like these are people who are um, engrafted and like adopted into the same family that we're adopted into. And, and they're there celebrating Jesus' resurrection and they all, you know, like all of a sudden all of this stuff is, is happening and these, these people's lives are shattered and, and, and our brothers and sisters are killed. And, and I, I've been kind of wrestling in my head and going back to this over and over again this morning just because it's, it's such a big thing. And um, the passage that, that kept coming to mind as I was praying about it um, is in First Thessalonians, and I'm kind of diverting from where I intended to go, so this won't be on the screen. Um, Paul is talking to this church, and he says, listen, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Asleep, by the way, means dead, right? Like that's kind of how they would, you know, those who are asleep. Um, now I lost my spot by explaining that that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring him with him those who have fallen asleep. Uh, for this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Um, what he's saying, it's kind of a kind of a thick bit of text, and because I didn't practice reading in advance, I didn't read it very well, but I'm, I'm going to unpack this. Paul is saying, listen, when we gather up and we remember folks who have fallen asleep, right? And I think the reason the scriptures don't say dead is because dead implies done. 
And like what we celebrate on Easter morning, what we know to be true because Christ rose, is that death is not the end. Like Paul tells us that Jesus is the first fruits. He's the very first apple on the tree of resurrection, right? Like he is the very first sign that the grave is not the end. And that every single man, woman, and child who was ever born, whoever was conceived, whoever was, will stand before the Lord one day. Like the resurrection is something that is promised us. And so Paul says, hey, I know we're sad when folks, when folks like are gone, right? When they die, when they fall asleep. Um, but because of the resurrection, we know that death is not the end. And that is the significance of Easter, right? Good Friday was Jesus being crucified and punished in our place for our sins, which is a huge thing to celebrate. Because I don't know about y'all, but I, I usually sin a half a dozen times before I make it to brushing my teeth in the morning. And a lot of it has to do with getting out of bed and creaking. And Anyway, um, and, but I'm forgiven because like, Christ died for me. And then on Easter morning, he rose again. And I know that I am forgiven and that I will rise again with him one day. That, that I will go to be with the Father one day because I am promised this. And that's something to be joyful about, right? I mean, it's weird to start out and say, hey, guys, a bunch of Christians died this morning, but let's be joyful. But joyful isn't happy, right? Some of you all remember the Dairy Queen sermon? Um, <laughs> joy is like ice cream that doesn't melt, right? It is happiness that does not go away with the passage of time or with the heat of, of persecution or depression or loss or whatever. Joy is this thing that exists inside of us that knows my God is in control, you know, I, I, I belong to someone better. I was redeemed by someone who loves me so much. Like, this is the truth of it. Um, Paul says in Romans, uh, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And so as we dive into our text, we're going to be talking about joy this morning. And, and the resurrection, the whole thing that I want to talk about this morning is this idea that the resurrection brings us joy. It brings us this new life. And it happens because Christ was buried and us, when we believe, we are, our old self dies off and we're buried with Christ and we are raised again to new life in this life. And then in eternity, we're raised like to live with God forever. Um, and this is a huge blessing. This is a huge deal. Um, but before we get into our joy about this, we're going to talk about Jesus. Because Jesus experienced joy in the resurrection. Um, and, and we're going to have a look at this. Like, uh, we'll start off beforehand. Um, this is Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and I talked about this on Friday, and I've talked about this before. The Garden of Gethsemane is across the Kidron Valley from Jerusalem. Right. So and the temple like so if you sit in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives, you can look out from where Jesus probably like the vicinity where he prayed and you can see the temple. And actually, since this is at night, um, the guards who came to arrest Christ would have been walking down the hill through the valley and up the hill to the garden while he was praying. So as Christ is praying this, he's watching these guys carrying torches coming out to arrest him. And he says, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Um, 
Matthew gives us a slightly, you know, a different part of this, this thing where Jesus was praying in this last one. He's saying, listen, do I say save me, God? He says, no, I came here for this. Um, when Jesus actually arrived in the garden, he said to his disciples, Jesus went with the disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along, which would be James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And so Jesus says, listen, I am so overwhelmed with sorrow that I feel like I'm going to die from it. Like I feel like I'm, I'm at the verge of death. I am so broken by this. If you want to really read like a, like a graphic version of this, if you jump to Psalm 20, 22, I'm going to read just bits of it here. But like read the whole thing in your own time. Like this is a powerful psalm. Um, it starts with the phrase, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, which is one of the last things that Christ said on the cross. Like he's hanging there and he quotes this psalm. And as you read this psalm, there are a bunch of things that this psalm predicts about the crucifixion, about the death, about the trial, the whole nine yards. Like there are a bunch of things this psalm predicts that actually happened. And most theologians will say Psalm 22 is Christ like like lamenting on the cross before it ever happened. Like it's a prophetic statement about the cross. And it starts with... Um, you know, why have you forsaken me, God? Um, he, he talks about his, his mouth being so dry that his tongue sticks to the roof of his mouth and them offering him vinegar to drink, which, by the way, they did. Um, he, he talks about, like, just the, the sorrow and the crushing defeat that he experiences. And, and on the cross, like, like, just the pain. Because what we understand, what Paul tells us, what, what the scriptures tell us is, that when Christ was crucified, what God did was he looked on Christ and he saw our sin and he poured all his wrath out on him. And so when you sin, when I sin, when, when your neighbor sins, like this is stuff that, that God punished Christ for. Like he takes punishment and when he looks at us now, he sees Christ's righteousness. And so I can stand before God, wicked man that I am, and know that because I'm in Christ, God looks at me and he sees Jesus. It's like switching your permanent records at school, right? Anybody ever wish you could do that? You know, <laughs> just wish I could be that smart kid, switch the files. Um, and so Christ going to the cross was overwhelmed with, like, brokenness, was overwhelmed with, with, with sorrow, with fear. Um, and we come to, um, I got two verses about this. Psalm 16 is another prophetic psalm. Um, and he says, therefore, my heart will be glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Um, this is a psalm that's oftentimes in the scriptures attributed to Christ, like his he will not let his faithful see decay as a reference to Jesus being resurrected, to the fact that he didn't rot in the ground. He was, he was raised again. And, and he talks about, you will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand, which is where Christ said, hey, I'll be at the right hand of the Father forever. Um, and so Christ is filled with joy. Why? Well, because God is glorified by showing mercy, right? Like we look at things that bring us glory in this world, and like, hey, that guy made a lot of money. That's glory, right? Hey, I, I, 
I spent a big chunk of last month watching all of Mike Tyson's boxing matches. For, I don't know. I just caught my interest. And so I would watch Mike Tyson fight for about eight seconds. And then, you know, and, and he, was, he was full of glory because he could beat anyone that stood against him, right? Um, we look at um, military heroes and, and soldiers and beauty queens and all of these people that surround themselves with glory um, in their own accomplishment. Our Father, God, chooses to be glorified in showing us mercy. And so, like, when we look at the story of the cross, we're looking at, at God being glorified, God being praised because he forgives us, because he loves us, because he pours out the life of his son to save you. And Christ is overjoyed that God is glorified in that mercy. Christ is joyful that, that he fulfilled the Father's will on the cross. He is joyful that we are saved. Um, Hebrews phrases it a little differently. Therefore... Um, the book of Hebrews was maybe written by Paul. It's one of the very few books in the New Testament that's unattributed. Uh, the early church understood it to have been written by Paul. And he's talking about like all of these people who had faith before us. And he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so entangles us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. Um, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What Paul is saying here is, like, he looked at the cross, and the cross, like, crucifixion, we're talking maybe one of the top three most nasty ways to kill someone that, like, that history's ever come up with. I mean, it's, it's extremely bad, and it's extremely painful, and it's extremely miserable. And for an ancient Jew, it was considered to be, like, to be hung from a cross or, like, from a tree was, was a sign that God hated you. Like, it was so shameful that in the early, like the first and second centuries, there were a lot of places where you went, if you said cross or crucifixion, people considered it to be a swear word, right? Like it was considered to be offensive um, in a lot of circles. And Christ died that way um, for the joy set before him. What's this joy? Well, the joy is the Father glorified, the Father's will done, you saved, your sins forgiven, my sins forgiven, us being made new. Um, I can never, ever, ever live perfect. But because Christ died for me, I know um, I'm forgiven. And so Christ received joy from the, from the, crucif- or from the resurrection. Like that, that Sunday morning, um, that first day of the week, that, that day, that first resurrection Sunday, Christ was filled with joy. Um, and his followers were filled with joy. And this seems kind of obvious, right? Because these 11 guys, 12 guys, well, 11, because Judas has hung himself by this point. Um, these 11 guys have walked away from everything, right? They walked away from their families. They walked away from their businesses. They walked away from their homes. They literally left everything. And of those 11, 10 would live the rest of their lives homeless and persecuted and on the run and and eventually executed, like like 10 of them were, were killed by being executed. John the Apostle was the only one who wasn't. Um, and he was actually the only one of the original disciples who followed Christ to the cross and watched him 
at the cross. He was the only one who was willing to actually die with Christ, and he's the only one who died of natural causes. Um, but his followers were filled with joy because they walked away from everything, and then they watched the guy that they left everything for die. I mean, like, that's got to be a whole thing where you watch this guy feed 5,000 people with a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fish, and you're like, man, that guy's got power. And, you know, he can speak a word, and a guy can come back to life. Oh, my gosh, he can bring dead people back to life. That's amazing. And then all of a sudden, like, after watching him do all of this amazing stuff, you watch him arrested and dragged off. You watch him nailed to a piece of wood. You watch him hang there and slowly suffocate and bleed to death. And what do you do with that? I mean, other than be totally broken and think, what do I do now, right? Um, I, I've met folks who will go through an ordeal and on the other side say, well, what do I do now? Do I start my life over? Do I, you know? And, and so I imagine the disciples are sitting around, they're mourning and they're crushed and they're broken and they're saying, what now? What now? And for the women who followed Christ, by the way, who also followed him to the cross, um, were the ones who discovered the empty tomb. They showed up. And he wasn't there, and an angel appeared to him. And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Just as he, has, just as he said, Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Um, so these women, the ones who like stood there and watched Jesus die, and they go and they're saying, Hey, we need to prepare his body for burial properly. They just threw him in the grave and covered it up. And so they go, and they're like, well, do we even get in? You know, they got soldiers there, and they got the, the seal of the emperor saying, don't open this tomb on pain of death. Like, are we even going to be able to do anything? And so they show up, and like, lo and behold, the place is empty. I mean, oh, my gosh. I, I've done, in my professional working career, I've done a lot of funerals. And I've gone and sat with people as they've passed. And I've gone and sat with families as, as, as they, they experience someone passing. Like, and it's a, really, it's a really, like, it's a crushing thing, right? Um, they went there for this and found him alive. Found him raised. I mean, just in the very moment of it, knowing that that this man that they abandoned everything for, this man they were willing to die for, that he was suddenly alive again. Like, and they were overjoyed and they worshipped him. And I don't even think they understood just yet what was going on, um, like what the significance of the resurrection was. Though, um, like Mary, who was there, not Mary Magdalene or Mary, but Mary, anyway, Mary who was there um, at this time, who had been the sister of Lazarus, um, said to Jesus, hey, I believe in the resurrection. I believe in the last days that people will come back. I believe this is coming. Um, and then Jesus said, no, I am the resurrection and the life. Like they believed the resurrection would happen, but they didn't think it was going to happen now. And Christ is raised. Um, and they're overjoyed. And then Jesus, they go and they tell the disciples, and the disciples are like, well, I don't know that this could possibly be true. And then Thomas, right, his famous line, yeah, you know what? I'll believe it when he shows up and I can stick my finger in the hole in his hand. 
then I'll believe he came back, right? While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And they were startled and frightened, thinking they had saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do, you, why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and look at my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones. You see I have. As you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and in amazement, or excuse me, and feet. And while they, were, while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Um, so they're there, and they're like, nope, can't be true. Don't believe it. I, you know, I, I just can't. You know, it's too much. And then Christ shows up and stands amongst them. And, and Thomas is put in this spot where he's, hey, put your finger in the hole. See, it's true. I mean, can you imagine being in that moment, gone forever, and suddenly he stands amongst you? Like the joy that would have come with that, the realization that, oh my goodness, this is true. Oh my goodness, Christ rose. Oh my goodness, everything we believed for our whole lives about the resurrection of the dead, about the fact that the grave isn't the end, that, that like all of this stuff is true. Um, in John's version of this event, John includes something a little more. Um, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed. When they saw the Lord and Jesus said to them, peace be with you as the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Um, this is uh, all of the gospels include a variation of this. But but uh, the reason I included John's version um, is that suddenly they hear about forgiveness and actually, there are other spots in the Gospels where during these final moments, it says that their eyes were open and suddenly they understood. Like, all of this stuff Jesus had been teaching them and telling them, like, hey, I'm going to die for your sins. Hey, you're going to be forgiven. Hey, I am the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hey, you know, like, over and over again. And they're so dense, they don't get it. And all of a sudden, they understand. Christ died and we're forgiven. And because of that, like, like... We can have eternal life, and the resurrection is proof of it. And, wow, there's joy in that. Did you ever, um, I, I get this sometimes, and maybe this is just me being crazy, where I'll be reading a book, and I'll read something I didn't know, and it's like finding the last missing piece of a puzzle, and suddenly, like, everything comes into alignment, and I understand something I've never really understood before. You, you know what I'm talking about? And there's, like, this, this joy to it. Um, this is that. You know, there's this joy that the disciples experienced in the resurrection because all of a sudden, everything made sense. All of a sudden, God's entire plan. Like, and actually, these guys could back up and look at all of Jewish history and the teachings of the rabbis and the, the exodus and everything else, and everything clicked together, and they're like, wow, we just saw, we just saw it all happen. Like, the moment. And so the disciples were overjoyed. Not only was Jesus himself, but the disciples were overjoyed. And they would have been because he saw the risen Jesus. But folks, it doesn't end there. We should be joyful. We should be overjoyed. Um, C.S. Lewis, this is from uh, The Way to Glory. He wrote, Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition. 
when infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. I remember as a kid, Easter morning, the thing that I always enjoyed the most and made me most excited was um, those weird little candy eggs with the white sugar filling, right? And now as an adult, I know they're gross, and I wouldn't eat them again. <laughs> but as a kid, like, Easter was all about that moment, you know, the candy I was going to get, and that awful grass that I could, you know, spread all over the house and hear Mom complain about for a month. Um, but in reality, like, the great joy that comes with it is the reality that, like, death isn't the end, that that there's something bigger and greater and more wonderful than than I could ever have picked out myself for me to live for. You know, I, I from the moment I decided I would follow Jesus, the only thing I ever wanted to do was, was be a minister. Like, the only thing I ever wanted to do was tell people about the death and resurrection of Jesus. The only thing I ever wanted to do was tell folks, this is the thing that makes life worth living. This is it. Everything in life is about this. Christ rose. Like, we aren't at the end when we die. Like, this is it. And Christ spoke of this. He says, Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? He's obviously talking about the death and the resurrection. Uh, very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned to joy. Um, we're going to grieve, right? I mean, this morning, I, I spent a chunk of my morning you know, grieving with brothers and sisters in, in, in Asia as they, as they mourn the passing of, of you know, a family. Like, I, I, that's awful. You know, I, I uh, sat with a believer at a hospice thing here a while ago, and we talked for a couple hours, and, and then a few days later I got a call. They let me know that he had died, and I thought, man, a brother in Christ died today. Like, and, and he shared music with me, and we talked, and, and every once in a while, in the like, months since that happened, I'll listen to this music that this guy recommended to me, and I think about this, this fellow, like this brother in Christ who now stands before God who now sings his songs to Jesus. Like, we grieve now, but our joy is in the Lord. Like, the disciples grieved that Christ died, but, but then they rejoiced. And we have joy. We have joy when the world is broken. We have joy when our family members are sick. We have joy when we feel the most lost. Um, when things are most broken, we can back up and say, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul because Christ, Christ rose. And Jesus saw that they wanted to, I double use that verse, sorry. Um, what do we do with this? Guys, as we go through the morning, as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, and then tomorrow, and the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that, like, we should be overjoyed. Like, Christ saved us. Christ made us new. We are part of a family forever. You will never, ever, ever be alone. Because as long as you're in Christ, you're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. You're surrounded by brothers and sisters. You're surrounded by family. And on the day that you take your last breath, you will close your eyes and you will open them again and stand before the Father. Um, every time you 
screw up, and you're going to screw up, you can back up and say, Christ died for that, and I'm forgiven. When you know that you are the most unlovable person in the world, which is a problem that plagues me every day, you can know that no matter how far you go, no matter how broken you are, Christ died for you, and he proved proved the truth of his claims by being raised again. And so when we celebrate Easter, as we go and eat breakfast, and we laugh, and we we have fun together, and later on we worship again, and we sing praise to God like we do it with joy because, because Christ is risen. And that's something to celebrate. That's like ice cream that never melts, right? We are joyful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to, help us to live as people of joy, Lord. Help us to live as, as people who, who are constantly pointing to the, the glory that you receive in our forgiveness and in, in your mercy for us. Help us to be people who, who just are joyful when, when we cry, Lord. We know that, that, that there is hope even when things are broken. Help us to be people who know us to be people who know you, who know Christ, who live lives heading for greater things, Lord. I pray, Lord, that, that folks would look on us and, and, and they would know that, that we serve a risen Savior, that we aren't you know, gathering up for the grand funeral every Sunday, but rather we're people who gather up and sing because we know that, that you know, funerals are just goodbye parties and that we'll see each other again soon. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the gift that you give us in Christ and the gift you gave us on this Easter morning. In Jesus' name, amen. He is risen.